0: better understand genetic selection data. You're listening to The Data Breeder. It's about how you can improve your herd and put more money back in your bank.
1: The Data Breeder is brought to you by Bald Blair Angus and Elders Rural. Visit eldersrural.com.au to find your local branch.
0: Welcome back to episode two of The Data Breeder. We're at Blair Angus of course, uh, just east of Gyra, up on the tablelands, and I can report it's a beautiful day up here today, a bit of cloud, but sun's out at the moment. Came across the Gara creek, Sam, a bit of water in the creek, so we've had a bit of rain this week.
1: Absolutely, Ed, thanks very much, and for the opportunity to talk again. And look, good soil moisture around. Um, The winter season is, is just magnificent compared to a few years ago and we've got a great amount of grass growing and not the required number of stock that we should have, but we're all doing well, thanks. So that
0: rain will really set you up for a, a good spring. So by the time people get here to the bull sale on Tuesday, August the 3rd, yep. it should look an absolute picture up here on the Tablelands.
1: Oh, I think probably at that time it'll still do its damnedest to to, to show its winter colours, but uh, they, even they are still beautiful. Sam, <coughs> in our first episode we spoke about the data
0: that you collect and the data that we can... Can use the tools, I guess, that we can use to to make decisions about our commercial breeding programs. In the next three episodes, as we lead up to the bull sale on August the third, we're going to break look at three areas, I guess, of that data: the the sire data points, the dam focused data points, and then of course the the progeny focused data. Let, let's let's start though with a bit of a summary re- around your commercial breeding plan. What what does it look like?
1: Sure, thanks Ed. Look, as we said, it's uh, th- this is to talk primarily on what our commercial breeders are wanting, and the Ballblair herd has a commercial herd in its own right at the same time. So, so for those people who who are self-replacing herd targeting the long-fed grain market, then they'll have similar commercial objectives to us in our commercial herd. So obviously what's important to us are a number of things. We want, first of all, we want good functionality in our bulls. Secondly, we want longevity in our cow herd, so they last for a long time. And we want um, those cows to calve, getting calf year on year within 365 days. And for the younger portion of our breeding females, we want them to calve unassisted so least amount of least amount of effort as possible
0: let's look at those data points for the sire so when you're choosing uh, which bull you're going to mate with with your female herd we start with scrotal circumference semen mobility and morphology hmm. how do those three inter- relate and how do you, in your decision making, you know, weight those against each other?
1: Yes, look, the, the, the most important thing as we talk about things here, and I think we reiterated it in our first episode, and I'll do it in each one hereafter, is that each business has to determine what their breeding objective is. I've just... Explained ours, and some people have a similar one, and some people may have something different, depending on whether the herd's in this environment, in a different environment, targeting a different production system, or vice versa. But let's focus on the bulls. So, so we'll talk practically about the bulls. The bulls essentially—they're they're the delivery system um, of the breeding program. They, the, those bulls have got to be mobile. They've got to be fit for purpose. In, in other words, they've got to—they've got to have good structure, good soundness, and they can last a good period of time in your herd and continue to your breeding program. Now, in addition to that, they've got to have a good healthy set of testes and they've got to have those testes functioning properly. All right, so we, we say producing viable semen. So, so in our program, we are putting emphasis on the, aspect, the aspects of structures of the bull and also their reproductive performance or their measured reproductive performance in terms of semen motility, which is, is it moving? and also morphology which are the potential issues that can lead to failures of bolts in four or five different regions in that bull, in in terms of that bull semen. So uh, so all our bulls, we, we, when we're selecting our bulls for our commercial herd, we want to know that they can handle it. We also that they can handle the environment. And some areas of our of our farms are some are heavily treated, some aren't. So they've got to have that ability to walk around and survive in those those environments, and keep up with the cows. And also we want them to have a good healthy set of reproductive reproductive um, organs in terms of their testes and the delivery system, of course. So, look, they're, they're those, those issues that we focus on, but then when we come down to putting those bulls with our cows, we go, we have a requirement for bulls going with heifers, and we have a quiet requirement for bulls going with the cows. Our primary primary emphasis, of course, is with the bulls going for our cows, we can put a little bit more emphasis on growth and we don't have to restrict our birth weight as much as we have in with respect to say our heifers. In our heifers we focus on producing or using those bulls that are low in birth weight, very negative in gestation and positive calving ease, EBVs and they also have growth and they also have the carcass attributes in particular carcass weight EMA and IMF. If
0: we have a look at the data on on those measurements I guess the data points when often when some Someone, often when we look at data, we go, what's a good score or, or, or what's a good number? How should we, how should we look at those numbers and, and how do we evaluate whether it's right for us?
1: Yep. Okay. Well, that, 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 that's an exceptional question, because the most important thing is to understand that, that for, a lot of, for, for a lot of times, until you, until you understand exactly what is happening in your program, it's pretty hard to say to Sam, well, what's best for us? You know, I need to know, what is your current weaning weight? That 200 days of age. What is your target weight for the market that you're supplying? How big are your cows? Are you carving your heifers at a young age? And are you having trouble? So you've got a number of a number of questions to ask. Once we've got that, then we have a series of EBVs that we can go to use to say, all right, these are the bulls that are gonna best fit into your program. And, and our goal is to breed bulls in the top 30% of the breed in terms of percentile bands of the EBVs for growth carcass and for calving ease and fertility. So we can use that straight EBVs on their own or we can use an indexes. And indexes are a combination of all of those to help with those breeding decisions. Some say a little bit of an oversimplification, but they're not, they're, they're very helpful, and they're very, but they're very helpful, but what you'll find is you might have five or six bulls with the same index value, and you need to look into each of those bulls to say, well, is this bull really gonna fit my market because it's gonna be one in the top 30%, and we can find that with the percentile bands that we show in our catalogs, and we can say, yep, he is, does the bull have carving ease? And if he doesn't, is his birth weight traits, are they undesirable for what I want in terms of the replacement females I'm going to keep?
0: I, I guess the the uh, bull sale catalog's a bit like a racing form guide then in some ways. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you you do need to spend a bit of time looking at the numbers, not and not just the the those surface numbers. Really going into what sits below that, particularly with the the indexes, and trying to match up that with your with your commercial plan. So if, if we think about, if we move slightly and we start um, looking at pedigree bull ped, pedigree. I know there's a lot of space um, devoted in your wholesale catalogue to, to pedigree how do commercial breeders look at um, that pedigree and what are they trying to take into account look
1: the, the the most thing about is is to understand how pedigree influences our breeding programs we we Part of our breeding decision decisions in in the seed stock operation, and as a consequence in our corpor- commercial operation, is not to use the same bloodline forever. Obviously, that's going to lead to a certain component of inbreeding, and that breed diversity in terms of in terms of pedigree is an extremely important thing for us. So, generally, we use bloodlines in our herds for two to three years, and then we change them. So, anybody who's coming. Uh, and buying bulls from us commercially, they are just following those bloodlines and we'll see a continual change. So there is always a continual change of bloodlines in uh, in most seed stock operations for that reason, to ensure diversity. Diversity genetically is an important thing. What it's allowed us to achieve in the last few years is to manage issues of recessive genes and remove them from our, um, from our uh, breeding herds. If you need to find the right genetics to meet your commercial ambitions, Give Sam and Kirsty a call on 0438 792 140 or 02 6779 2141. Email via samwhite at baldblair.com.au or visit www.baldblairangus.com.au. All listeners of the podcast will receive a free stay at Kelly's Cottage on Farm at Bald Blair Angus when they visit.
0: Moving on, let's have a look at growth rate, shall we, from, the, from that side perspective. I'm assuming, you know, most of the time you would like growth rate as, as high as possible because we're trying to turn off cattle as, as soon as possible. So what are we looking at there in terms of the numbers?
1: Look, I think, I think the most important thing is that there are a number of aspects with respect to growth. Our growth EBVs, 200, 400, 600 days, and also mature cow weight EBV. So you can have growth EBVs in the top 10 to 15% of the breed and if, if it's your desire that you want to restrict mature cow weight so your cows are not in continue to getting hev- heavier then you find you might have animals that let's say 120, 130 for 600 a day and they might have a mature cow weight limited to 100. Now I'd love to say that that's perfectly what we've got across all of our bull population but. There's diversity that occurs in our population and some of our bulls that we'll sell this year will have high growth and high mature cow weight. Okay to use. They're going to achieve a purpose for you. In other words, you feel your herd is a little smaller. Remembering that there are costs. There are the costs associated with having the bigger mature cow weight. If you know, I mean, with respect to feed requirements of those animals.
0: If we have a look at the the bull sale catalogue now, and, and if we think about it from that that sire sort of perspective, and we'll we'll pick up one of the one of the hundred and hundred and we've got hundred and fourteen bulls up for sale this year. So. All right. So if we pick one of the one of those uh, 114 balls and let, let's look at those traits that that sit on the sire side. What are they, and and how should we how should we read that um, bull form guide, for want of a better word? Yes.
1: Yeah, so, so so my recommendations is coming to a sale is remember that do a little bit of homework before you come with that number of bulls on hand. Most important thing is you might use your selection indexes if you've chosen that your we use the heavy grain index and the the breeding index, the um, Angus breeding index in combination, but we might use a heavy grain index if I'm selecting through that many bulls and come up with 10 to 12 bulls. So when I come here on the day, I focus on those. You might find your selection decisions include a bull outside of those 10 to 12, but if you focus on those original ones or those ones that you've reviewed beforehand, then that's where you're gonna get the best benefit in terms of the time you've allowed yourself to what's named two to inspect your bulls. So let's go through the, the attributes of the bulls that we're gonna see. We have calving ease attributes in terms calving ease, daughters, maternal, gestation length, birth weight. We have our growth traits. We have mature cow weight. We have fertility scores, days to calving and scroll circumference. And also we have our carcass attributes. And we also have breeding and structural assessment data as well. So we've got to look at all of that. We've got to look at all of that in not in isolation, but as one big picture. And and if you've picked out of index those animals that they're gonna potentially suit suit your requirements and then you go in there and you have a look at them and you might get here on sale day and say there's a bull that i really like and everything fits he's he's got a lot of appeal and i come back to my data he may be in that group he may not be if he's in that group well and good if he's not in that group you've got to seriously decide what attributes has that bull got that i want in my herd that's going to allow me to pick outside of my breeding objectives
0: that's a question isn't it and i asked this question in the uh, first episode i'm going <laughs> to talk to you about it again mm-hmm. that notion of what your eyes tell you and what the data tells you can be two different things, and particularly when you when you get to sale day and you see that you know a, a couple of bulls that you really like. That how, how do you how do you manage that almost misinformation in, in your head? You know, you look at that bull and you go. You know, I, I think he'd be right for me, but the data doesn't necessarily add up.
1: Yeah, so let, let's give an example. So you might have a absolutely cracking bull with respect to growth, your requirements for calving ease, and, and, and all of his carcass attributes are right, perhaps except intramuscular fat. Alright, it might be below average and, and you've seriously got to say that bull is a beautiful bull but, but it, what we're providing information on is traits that you can't or aspects of that bull that you can't actually see physically. So in a trait like intramuscular fat we can't actually see that when we look at a bull. We might see that he's soft and think that he's going to deliver it but the genetic, the genetic story behind that bull suggests that he's not going to be a primary contributor to it. Now. That's just one example of one particular trait. and We need to be very careful of single trait selection, but th- that happens. Then that begs the question, Sam, uh, and we were talking
0: about this off-air recently, that the older the genetics have been or the bull's been in the, the system, the more reliable the data is. Yes. Is, is that correct way to think about it? And, and how do we, how do we <laughs> think about that in terms of of, of selecting the sire-based
1: genetics? That's great. Uh, a good question, a good observation. Most importantly, you remember that in the in the baublea breeding program, we have genomically enhanced EBD, EBVs. Sorry. So what that means is that we do a genomic measure at a young age of all these animals, and that's combined with their first 200-day weight, usually. Okay? And so that melding of EBVs, the more information we have, the higher the accuracy of these EBVs. So accuracy 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 is the thing you get to rely on in terms of the more accurate it is, the more reliance you can put on it. If something is, say, 50% accurate versus something that is 75% accurate, you know, there's a little bit more weighting on that 75% than 50%. You're going to get less variation on the accuracy of 75% versus accuracy of 50%. So it's an important thing to understand why the levels of accuracy are at the level they're at. Um, in our herd because of the continual use of, of all available technologies to measure all the attributes that we can and can't see in our herd. so. Accuracy is an extremely important thing. If, if I'm looking
0: at, that, but there's a trade-off there, I guess, isn't there, that that if we say, we wanna go for that 75, and I know there's some 95% accurate data in, in your catalog. We were looking at that the other day as well. So it, you can look at that reliability, but, but also you can almost do you slow down your genetic gain, Sometimes by waiting more on that 95% bull, or do you paint do you do you take the punt and you go that genetics looks spot on for me, I'm gonna take it at, at 50%? How mm. does how do you think about that?
1: Mm. Look, remember that the, the high the high accuracy bulls are our reference size, not the progeny of those size So so the, the the issue we're referring to there is that often the time we've used a reference sire, we're starting to get data from that sire's progeny, and that's what pumps it up above 75% genomics has allowed us to lift the use of genomics in addition to all our objective measurements has allowed to lift the accuracy up because we're looking at the relatedness of the gene pool to that particular animal and what what my animals show against somebody else's animals etc that are all going into the genomic program they're actually allowing them to make our animal has similar traits to that animal and as a consequence with ebvs related to it this is where they fit and all those things you know that it's it's not it's it's, it's simple it's it's, an, it's not an oversimplification there's a lot of a lot of information that goes into this to make these to make these bull decisions important so remember most of the bulls that you buy at auction um, will be 70 75% or less all right and and, and in some, terms of accuracy in terms of accuracy so there is always going to be movement there's always going to be movement doesn't matter what you say those ebvs are going to change EBVs are, are, the EBV run occurs every 14 days, so it, it'll vary 26 times throughout a year. However, as we get data from the progeny of the bulls, and it gets higher and higher the level of movement and the change that occurs, is becomes less and less.
0: I guess the, the key takeaway here is to get a catalogue as, as soon as you possibly can, so Jump on the Ball Blair Angus website yep. and order your catalogue and book in for the sale Tuesday the 3rd of August at
1: 1pm at Ball Blair and our open day
0: is on Sunday the 1st of August. Sunday the 1st of August for yep. open day. Come and have a look. Order your catalogue. Book in for the sale so that gives Kirsten Sam a, a bit of an idea of, of catering. Th-
1: thank you. Thank you, Ed. Look, catalogues, the final proof's in. We're about to have them printed. They should be available uh, very soon and uh, we look forward to hearing from people and also having that opportunity to show people around if they want to come and inspect bulls prior to sale. And
0: if they've got any questions, give you a call on?
1: On my mobile, on my mobile 0438 792140 or or on my email, samwhite at
0: Fantastic. Thanks, Sam. We'll be back with episode three in a week or so, and we'll be talking about those dam-focused traits, so the the mothers of, of and what they deliver into the genetic program. You've been listening to The Data Breeder.
1: Thanks to Elders Livestock for supporting this podcast. For expert advice and the best stud stock selling options, contact your local branch. For details, visit eldersrural.com.au. The Data Breeder was produced by Ed Campbell at Seek and Deploy's Armidale-based digital content lab. Visit seekdeploy.com.